Good morning. How is everybody? Great. Thought Alan was going to play some more. Wasn't sure. I needed that this morning. Great worship set, right? It was awesome. Thank you so much, worship team. Um, great to see everybody out this morning. We're in our second week of our We Are series. Pastor Sean introduced this series last week, and we kind of talked about this, the, the fact that each of us have a desire to figure out who it, was, who it is that we as individuals are created to be, right? That's kind of where we started, and then from there we, we, we transitioned, and, and we talked about this We Are Penn State thing, right? Does everybody remember that, the We Are Penn State? How many, how many knew that? few of us, yeah. So he kind of talked about the fact that Pastor Sean's a proud Penn State alum. Um, I'm not. I just like the football team and the wrestling team. But no matter how you're connected to the school, you know what that means, right? You go to the football stadium and you 100,000 people shouting that we are Penn State. And the reason it's so impactful, so powerful is because it makes you feel like you are connected to something bigger than yourself, right? So it's great to know who you are as an individual, but we all have this burning desire to feel like we're connected to something bigger than ourselves. And when we do that, when we start to ask the question, when that question transitions from who I am to who we are, a couple of things happen. We do begin to ask that question of of what it would look like for me to be connected to something bigger than me. But we also start thinking about what it would be like to be part of something that makes a bigger impact than we can do on our own. You know, as an individual, I like to think that I I can get some stuff done on my own, But when you put me on a team of motivated individuals, a team that's focused, a team all driving towards the same mission, you'll be amazed at the things that can happen, right? And what greater, there's no greater mission than the one that Jesus has for his church. And that mission is to help people discover and deepen a life-changing journey with Jesus. And this series, this We Are series, it's a bit of a dialogue about what it means for our church to be part of that mission. Right? We, are, we are one church, and as one church, we could probably get some things done. But when we plug into the global church, and we plug into the mission that Jesus has for his global church, I just can't help but to believe but some, that, that God's going to do some awesome things. So we're kind of asking that question, who are we? Who is Daybreak? And what are we doing as part of that, that global mission that Jesus has for us? What are we doing to help others discover that life-changing journey with Christ? So we're going to dig into that, and, but I, I want to set this morning up, I want to set our message up this morning with a really awesome, powerful question for you, and that is, how many of you guys, it, it, maybe you're still of this age, but how many of you guys can remember recess as a kid? Yes? It's, it's like the greatest thing for an elementary school kid, right? It's the greatest joy of elementary, every elementary school kid everywhere. The other day, I was talking to Derek, because we're getting ready, Pastor Sean said this, we're getting ready to go back to school. And I, t- I was talking to Derek, and I was like, Derek, tell me your your top three favorite subjects, right? His first one was art. I can get on board with that. But then what were the next two? Lunch and recess. I was like, man after my own heart. (laughs) Lunch and recess. But, you know, we we live across the street from the elementary school that I went to and the elementary school that Derek goes to. And uh, we go over there a lot. We ride bikes. We have scooters we ride around. Um, and there's, there's playground equipment, and the, the elementary school is set up in, like, two sides. One playground's for the kindergartners, the first graders, and the second graders, and then one of it has some bigger equipment on it. That's for the third and fourth graders. And I was telling Derek, like, when I went to this school, the third and fourth grade side didn't have a whole lot of, like, playground equipment. Like, the school district spent a lot of money to, to, to make the school, and then as part of the third and fourth grade size, they, like, painted the asphalt, like, all kinds of cool stuff. They have four square blocks, uh, hopscotch. They have a... Uh, pass for you to ride your bike around, stuff like that. And he was like dumbfounded by that. He's like, well, what did you do at recess? Kickball. Kickball. And they were some of the most intense kickball games that you will ever see. These little third and fourth graders just kicking the, the heck out of that ball. But I'll, I'll confess to you 
that I wasn't the most athletic third or fourth grader. I was kind of a, a little pudgy kid. And uh, we always picked teams for the kickball games, right? And as the not the most athletic kid, I always ran the risk of being the last kid picked for the kickball team, which is not a place you want to be, right, as a, as a third or fourth grader. You don't want to be the last kid picked because once you're pegged as the kid that gets pe- picked last, it's very hard to overcome that, right? It's very hard to overcome that title. You could have the greatest game, but you're always going to be known as Sean Bolton, the kid that got picked last for the kickball team, Right? And that's, 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 that's your place, Sean. You just kind of have to deal with it. So th- there's a point to all this. I'm not just talking about kickball. But, so I'm thinking about this, these, these memories of kickball, and I'm kind of thinking about like, how we interact with people on a daily basis, how we kind of judge people. Maybe you don't do this, but maybe you know someone who does. You know, we tend to make judgments of people and ourselves in the same way. Right? We, we, we evaluate others and we keep them when, in whatever box that we put them in. And we never allow them to grow out of that. We always kind of try to keep them in there because we're comfortable with that. And it makes us not have to interact with them on any kind of deep way. We never allow them to change or move up in our minds. And we certainly don't take the time to develop them or invest in them. Has this happened to anybody else in there? Like did somebody put you in that place where you just couldn't, you couldn't, in their mind, you couldn't elevate past a certain level. It doesn't feel good. So this morning, I want to I take that mindset, whether we're talking about like, how we think of others or how we perceive ourselves, and I want to take some time to see how we as a church believe that God sees all of us. You know, too often we see ourselves as that elementary school kid that got picked last for the kickball team, rather than the sons and daughters of God that he created each and every one of us to be. And at daybreak, we believe that it's our responsibility, one of our our commands from God, to help our church family realize the potential that God put inside of each and every one of us. And this morning, to kind of dig into that, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. If If you have your Bible or the Bible app, you can pull it up, or it's going to be on the screens and also in your outlines. So this is probably a familiar one to, to a lot of you, but I, but I think we're going to glean some, some new and exciting information out of it this morning, and it, it's going to show us a pretty famous example of the type of developmental invitation that we're talking about, about that, that we as Daybreak believe we want to extend to all of you when we say that we use the term people developers, right? It's one of our core values. And we're going to dig right into our first point, and that is we are people developers because Jesus sees the potential in all of us to change the world. We're people developers because Jesus sees the potential in all of us to change the world. So Matthew 4, 18 says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. So let's talk about Simon and Andrew. And Simon, for those of you who don't know, it's Peter. So I'll probably use both of those names throughout. It's the same person. Simon became Peter. So let's talk about Simon and Andrew for a second. They're two, these are the two men that were chosen by Jesus to be the first, his first disciples, right? That's pretty big. That's huge, the first disciples. But when you look at these guys and take them at face value, there's nothing like necessarily special about them, right? They're simple fishermen when Jesus meets them. And, and like when you look at it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like why would he choose those? So let's for a second put ourselves in the shoes of Peter and Andrew, Right? They're fishermen. Fishing is hard work, right? It's not just like casting out a a, a line and and reeling it in. These guys are throwing heavy nets into the water, hoping to get fish, lugging them back onto the boat. It's all manual labor. 
So when, when, when Jesus meets them, when he runs into them, they're doing this manual labor, and they've been up all night. Right? So Jesus walks up on them, and they're probably exhausted. And up to this point, they hadn't had any luck. They hadn't caught anything. You know, so they're probably not in the best of moods when Jesus walks up to them, and that they're probably a little bit frustrated, and Jesus begins to talk to them. And if you look at it from Jesus' perspective, again, you have to kind of look at it and say, Jesus, what in the world did you see in these guys? What was it that you saw him? With all that we know that you were going to ask of the disciples, right, to follow you, to learn from you, to teach with you, to, to, to be, um, to, to, to all, kind, all the amazing works and, and healings that, and miracles that he was going to perform, they were going to perform in his name. All this stuff, be persecuted, eventually start that, the, the, the church after he's gone. With all that in mind, what did Jesus see in these two fishermen when, when he walked up on them and said, these are the two that I'm going to hitch my wagon to, right? These are the two. They're going to be my first two recruits. You know, it would have made a little bit more, more sense if Jesus would have picked someone who was maybe a little bit more qualified, maybe a little, somebody that, that had some more knowledge of God's work at word. And when you look at the facts, basically what Jesus did was he looked at the, all those kids lined up for the kickball game, and he picked the last two, right? That's what Jesus did here. But here Jesus is showing us, as he always did, why he's so much smarter than we are, right? We would have picked the, 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 the Bible scholars, the educated people with all the qualifications for the job, but he walks up to two, two, two fishermen and chooses them based on the potential that he sees inside of them. He makes the decision he's going to help un, them unlock that potential and do great things for his kingdom. And how does he get this message across to them? It's really cool what he does. He does it by meeting them exactly where, he, where, where they are, right? He goes on their turf. And this is one of the things that I love the most about Jesus is that he meets people exactly where they are in order to get his message across to them. He never says, man, that guy needs to clean himself up. That guy has some sin he needs to deal with. That guy needs to do this or that before he can approach me. What Jesus says is he goes and he meets us on our turf and he says, I want to, to do life with you. I want to have a relationship with you. In the midst of everything we have going on, in the midst of all the things that we would use to disqualify ourselves from, from relationship with our creator, Jesus says, you're the one that I want. I see your potential and I want to walk with you and help you unlock that potential. You're going to do great things in my name. That's what Jesus says when he looks at us. It's what he was communicating to us and, and what he was communicating to Peter and Andrew. And there's a more detailed telling of this story in Luke 5, if you want to read it at, at, at home. But it gives, goes into a little bit more detail. You know, Jesus walks up onto them. They had caught nothing. He meets them in this place of frustration. And when he approaches them, he tells them to cast out their nets again. And you have to think, Peter and Andrew, they're thinking, what does this rabbi go, guy know about fishing, <laughs> right? But they do it right, reluctantly, probably rolling their eyes a little bit. And they did it. when they did it, they caught so many fish that when they brought it back in, it almost sank the boat, right? And in this moment, we see what Jesus saw in Peter and Andrew, and that is the fact that if they tap in to what Jesus is offering them, if they tap into the relationship that Jesus wants from them, they're going to be able to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And Peter actually sees it too in Luke 5, and he says to Jesus, he says, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm a sinful man. Because he comes to this realization, this understanding in that moment of what Jesus is trying to do in him. He realizes that Jesus sees potential in him. And he, he knows his sin and he confesses them. He feels guilty for, for doubting him. 
But he confesses them, and, and then from there, the rest is history. If you read the New Testament, you see all the awesome things that these guys are able to do. And it's only possible because Jesus didn't see them as the world saw them, right? And he doesn't see you the way that, that the world sees you either. And that's not necessarily always a bad thing. You know, when you introduce yourself to somebody new, my, I can pretty much guarantee that most of you, within the first five minutes, you're telling them your occupation, aren't you? Like, hi, I'm Sean. I work at Members First Federal Credit Union. Like, that's, that's kind of how, how that goes. And uh, it, so it's not always a bad thing, but it, that's just how the world sees it. And there's other things like, like your faults, your sins, even, even by, by your greatest accomplishment, things like that. That's how the world sees us. It's how we define ourselves. And on the flip side of that, you know, how many of us have ever believed a lie, you know, or an insult or a rejection from someone and taken that to heart and internalized that, and that became something that we allowed us to, to define ourselves by. It haunts us over time. How many of us looked in the mirror and said that there's, there's no way that I'm good enough for anyone to love? I have this going on. There's no way I'm good enough for anyone to love, let alone Jesus. All of us have something that we can point to and say, that's my limitation. That's the thing that's going to keep me inside of this box, right? That's the thing that's going to keep me from being truly happy and keep me from believing that I have value in anyone's eyes. Some of you are probably thinking of what that thing is right now. You kind of have that at the top of your mind, but I want to let you in on a little secret. And that is that God knows what that thing is too, right? You're not alone in that. He knows what that thing is too, and he is inviting you to come to him. He's inviting you to allow him to redeem it, allow, you, allow him to heal that hurt, and allow him to cover you in love and grace so that you can see yourself as that son or that daughter of God that he knows you to be. The world told Andrew and Peter that they were fishermen, right? Throwing a net in the water and reeling in fish, that was the most value that they could bring. That's who they were. That's the box that they were in. But Jesus saw much more than that, right? And it prompts him to approach them because they were exactly where he needed them to be in order for him to be able to mold them and walk with them and lead them and shape them after his own heart. And I can guarantee that there's somebody here right now, probably most of you, that are in exactly the right place for Jesus to approach you and walk with you and mold you after his own heart. Jesus' call to come as you are is echoed by, echoed by uh, daybreak, right? He calls us to come as we are, but don't stay that way because we believe God's power can release anyone's potential to change the world. And it's why we put such a premium on investing in people as a church. You know, too often we have this limited view of potential of ourselves, and, and we, have to, we, we tend to ask God to fit in our box of what we think we can accomplish. Like, God, I'll walk with you, but only on my terms, only in my box. When God says, break out of that box, walk with me, tap into what I want to offer you, and you're going to see the amazing things that I can accomplish through you. You know, Karina and I have been at Daybreak for about five years or so, maybe a little bit more than that, but there's been so many examples of members of our church family that have stepped outside of their box, tapped into Jesus, and just been able to do awesome things. You know, whether it's on a missions trip or taking on a leadership role within our church or serving in kids or student ministries, you know, the list is, is, is numerous and infinite of all the people that step out and say, God, I'm going to allow you to invest in me. I'm going to allow you to, 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 to see that potential. I'm going to tap into that and do some awesome things for you. And some of us have come in today having never really seen our own potential. You know, maybe you doubt the kind of difference you make. Maybe you think you're too ordinary. Maybe you don't feel that special. 
But I would challenge you that neither did Peter or Andrew and look at what God was able to do through them. So the good news is, is that, that, that Jesus has all this for us, right? He has all this for us. He wants us to break outside of that box, and all we have to do is see it in ourselves, right? We have to tap into Jesus and say, you, have, you see all the potential into me, in me. Show me what that is, and let me live it out in your name. That's what God wants from us. And this is who Jesus is and who he wants us to be in him. So we invite you, as he does, to, again, come as you are, but don't stay that way. There's nobody in here that God hasn't implanted some sort of awesome potential inside of that he can just use to do amazing things. So come to him as you are, but don't stay that way. And that's going to lead us into our second point, and that is that we are people people developers because Jesus invites us to follow him for our own development. We're people developers because uh, Jesus invites us to follow him for our own development. Uh, Beginning of, of... Matthew 4.19 says, Jesus called out, come, called out to them, come and follow me. Come follow me. So when Jesus says to these ordinary fishermen, come, follow me, right, what is he saying? He's just saying, like, I'm going to take a walk, you're going to follow me? I don't think so. The the disciples, they recognize this call as as something like from a rabbi to a student, say, come, follow me, I want to teach you. And this kind of, like Jesus kind of always does, he flips like the mentality of that day on its head. Because normally it would be a student that would walk up to a rabbi and say, hey, I'm kind of interested in, in, in following you and apprenticing with you. Is that something that can happen? So for Jesus to approach them was, was definitely a big thing for them. It was a great privilege. It meant that, again, Jesus saw this potential in them. Saw this potential on them. And, and just a little bit of context on what this type of apprenticeship meant, what it would mean for this, these disciples. Basically, they're agreeing Jesus, I'm going to go on this life-changing journey with you. That's what they're agreeing to, a life-changing journey. And as his follower, they're going to be a student. They're going to be expected to learn a lot. It's like a master's or, or, or a PhD on steroids. They're going to learn a lot. And they're going to be expected to emulate their teacher, to emulate Jesus. In essence, this type of, in this type of relationship, the rabbi was trying to recreate himself in his disciples. Right? And since I've been on staff here at Daybreak, I've been serving under Pastor Sean as my, as my pastor, and, and he's kind of mentored me. I've kind of emulated certain things that he's done, and I've learned a lot from him. I'm very appreciative. Um, but I, I wanted to show you some, like, some physical evidence of, of the change that's happened in me uh, from serving under Pastor Sean. So I have a couple pictures. There's the first one. This is, this is me and Karina. This is Sean before Sean. We're in Baltimore there. That's what I look like. And then if you want to go to the next one, this is Sean after Sean. We just, <laughs> So you can see, like, the physical change that's happened in me. (laughs) It looks way too much like my dad up there. It's kind of (laughs) creepy. Please take that down. I'm I'm sorry, Pastor Sean. You have meant a lot to me, so thank you so much for investing in me. (laughs) But again, okay, it's down. All right. (laughs) The the follower... (laughs) The follower was expected to be receptive to a new, a new way of thinking, a new way of feeling, a new way of doing. And Jesus definitely challenged the disciples with that, didn't he? You can read it all through the, the, the New Testament of how he challenged them in that way. And this, is a, this was something that the follower was expected to pursue, right? They weren't going to just be a sponge. They could sit there and soak up whatever the, 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 the rabbi was telling them. Jesus wanted them to come after him. That's what the, the, the Greek word, when he says follow me, the Greek word literally means come after me. Like this is going to be an active thing. You're going to have to actively be involved in this in order for you to get the most out of this. 
And this is Jesus' call to this, these ordinary fishermen and to us ordinary people, right? We are, we're people developers because we believe that we are called by Jesus to follow him, to come after him. And we're all ordinary people called by Jesus to make an extraordinary impact on the world because he changed our lives. Andrew and Peter's lives were changed from that moment on. And, and those of you that know Jesus, you can probably testify to the fact that your lives have been changed from the moment you accepted Christ as your Savior till this very moment now. But in order to do this, we have to be humble enough to be teachable, right? Teachable. Teachers in the, in the room are like, yes, be teachable. But being teachable, it's valuable. You know, if you're in school or a job, you, you have to ask yourself, do you, do you see yourself as a teachable person, right? Somebody that's humble enough to, to take advice, take it in, and, and make changes, and for me, this is one of the hardest lessons that I ever had to learn, like in my job, is just realizing the fact that, one, I didn't know anything, like believe it or not, I don't know everything, and, and two, like there were people in my organization that wanted to invest in me, that wanted to speak into me, but I had to be humble enough to receive it and be able to make changes and, and accept it with that mentality. You know, and over time, I've realized that Jesus wants to do the same thing in my life. He calls us to be teachable and brings us all to the question of, can we honestly say about ourselves when we look in the mirror, can I say, Sean, yes, I am a teachable person. I'm humble enough to realize that I don't know everything and that Jesus can teach me a thing or two. If the answer is no, then, then I would encourage you to start that dialogue with God. But if the answer is yes, we need to be honest with ourselves in answering three more questions. One is, have you put yourself in places where you can be developed by Jesus? Right? It's one thing to say, yes, I'm teachable, but it's another thing to put it in action and say, Jesus, I'm putting myself out there. Teach me. Second, are you allowing Jesus to be your teacher right now? Are you viewing him in that light? You know, are you allowing him to lead you in that way? And then thirdly, are you truly following him with the desire to become like him? Ultimately, that's our purpose is to become more like Jesus. So if we're not following him with the mindset of him developing him to be more like him, you know, we're not doing it right. That has to be our mindset. And here at Daybreak, we, we, we work very hard to provide everyone with life-changing environments where they can encounter God in an awesome way by growing their relationship with Jesus. If you haven't picked up on it by this point, we're, we're talking about discipleship. That's what this is, discipleship. And our discipleship plan at daybreak involves three life-changing environments that we believe will release God's power in your life. And the first one is this, right? Celebrating God's grace. This is the three C's, if you're familiar with daybreak. The three C's, the first, celebrating God's grace. It's our weekend celebration right here. It's a place where anyone can come, experience God, and learn about his amazing grace in our lives, his love in our lives. The second one is connecting with God's family. Basically, doing life with your church family. You know, we have all kinds of small groups that you can get involved in, and when you find a small group that can really speak into your life and you can do life with, it is so amazing and so life-changing. And then thirdly, contributing to God's work. You know, and the big question that we ask with, with contributing is, where is, God's, where is God working and how do we join in? Where is God working and how do we join in? For me, I feel the most connected to God's family and the most connected to Jesus, and I feel like he can, he can speak into me and teach me and mold me the most when I'm, serving, uh, when I'm serving and contributing. You know, I've served in a lot of ministries in a lot of different areas, and something that has held true and what I love and appreciate about Daybreak so much is that the ones that take the time to develop and invest in people 
are going to be much healthier than the ones that are just recruiting people to fill a need, right? Just recruiting people to fill, fill a space rather than developing them. And I'm so thankful for a church who puts a premium on developing, you know, they develop everyone. Like I look at my family from Karina to me to Derek to Tyler, there's a premium place on developing us. You know, every Sunday, Derek leaves church singing the songs that, 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 that back in, from kids' ministry. I can ask him questions about the, the, the lesson, and he can answer them. And that's, that's a testament to, to Jesse Farrell and her team and the work and the investment that they put into to, to, to developing those kids to, to seek after a life-changing journey with Christ. And that's not specific to them. It's every area. It's in the DNA of our church. Pastor Rick, uh, who's preaching at the other campus, shared a, a story from one of his friends um, that, that recently had to go to a new church. They said, I love it, talking about their new church, I love it, it's a good church, but there's something I miss about Daybreak. The church I'm in recruits people to do ministry but doesn't think of how they can invest in those people. I love being at Daybreak because I felt that, like Daybreak didn't use people to do ministry. They used ministry to develop people. This, that seems like something Jesus would do. Right? Like that is, that's it. That hits the nail on the head. We, we, we don't use people to do ministry. We use ministry to develop people. Such an awesome quote there. And I love being developed. Pastor Sean, again, has spoken into me. He's worked with me. Pastor Rick even spoken into me, helped me, and, and brought me a long way since I came on staff here at Daybreak. And I'm so thankful for that. You know, at work, I seek out leaders in my organization. Like they, I probably get annoying. I go to their offices and I ask them questions and, and I just pick their brains. You know, so I love be, uh, being developed, but as we move on this morning, and, and what I kind of took away as what kind of preached to me as I was writing this message, as we move on this morning, we're going to see that there's a flip side to that, right? With all this investment that's being made into me, and I'm so thankful for it, you know, my responsibility in that, what God calls me to do then is to flip that around and invest in somebody else, right? To disciple someone else. What does that look like? Our next point, we're people developers, because Jesus invites us to join him in his mission to develop others. We're people developers because Jesus invites us to join him in his mission to develop others. So uh, Matthew 4, the second part of uh, verse 19 into 20. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. They followed him. So after, after the disciples have followed Jesus for a period of time, Right? They began to realize a couple of things about what Jesus meant when he said, come follow me, to come after me. The first thing, and, and this is probably like paramount in, in his interactions with them, is that he wanted a relationship with the disciples, just like he wants a relationship with us. He wanted to free them from their burdens and, and show them a new way of doing life. He wanted to develop that in them. And that's exactly what they experienced. And my hope is that in your relationship with Christ, you've experienced that same kind of freedom, right? Freedom from sin, freedom from, from the feelings that you're not good enough, different things like that. That's what the freedom that Jesus offers each and every one of us. That's what he's telling the disciples and telling us when he says, come follow me. I want a relationship with you. I want you to see the freedom that I can offer you. Because we all need love, we all need purpose, and that love, it comes from a life-changing relationship with Christ. Those are the things that we need. And it's only possible because Jesus died on the cross so that we could have that relationship with him. But experiencing all of that, we can't forget the second part of that verse 19. It's great that investment's being made in us. But verse 19, I will show you how to fish for people. 
I'll show you how to fish for people. We can't just be, be, be spoken into. We have to speak into other people as well. In other words, Jesus wants to develop us and help us to make our inner lives amazing, right? To, to mold us after his own heart. But with that comes that responsibility. We have to then go and, and, and help others with ordinary lives develop extraordinary lives in Christ. That's the call this morning. Help others to develop that extraordinary life in Christ. Jesus wants to take the thing that you're good at, right? That talent that he's giving you, the thing that you're gifted and the experiences that you've had, whether they be good or bad, and use it powerfully to help others. You know, some of you are probably sitting here like, my experiences are not the best. But my guess is that there's somebody else that's having a similar experience that you had. And maybe you've come through that. Maybe you've get, Jesus has healed that in you and, and wants to use that to speak into somebody else that is going through a similar situation. Nothing is wasted. God uses everything. And a lot of times it comes full circle that after you've gone through it, after you've healed, after he's helped you with that and walked through that with you, you can then turn around and say, man, I really want to use this to help other people have the same type of experience that I did. So what could it be for you? That's the question you have to ask yourself and ask God. What is that thing in my life? What's the gift? What's the talent? What's the experience that I have that somebody else could, take, could, could, could develop from? Right? We believe that the change that Jesus makes in us isn't for our own sake. Right? We do get something out of it, but he wants us to share that gift with others by developing them. And I know that there are some of you that have giftings and desires that need developed so that you can take that next step in developing others. Maybe you don't feel comfortable taking that step right now. But, you know, again, I appreciate Daybreak and I love Daybreak because of their desire to develop others. You know, I, I want to encourage you in letting you know that we believe in that. We believe in developing you in such a way that it's going to help you discover how God can use that calling in an extraordinary way. So I want to invite you to join us this year. Right? I want to invite you to follow Jesus in a life that isn't just centered on you. Right? That isn't just centered on you, but that a life that uses your gifts and experiences to pour into the life of someone else. And maybe God, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities. Pastor Sean talked about the Sunday serve, if you can pull that out. And we also have the community scoop in the, in the program guide. Pull those things out. There's all kinds of opportunities in there for ways that you can get involved and you can, you can serve and help develop other people. You know, maybe God's calling you to develop others through joining our kids or our student ministries team. Maybe he's calling you to help someone else through a pain um, and, and, and healing that you had experienced. Maybe it's divorce care or grief share or financial struggles. Whatever it is, I just encourage you, get involved. Ask yourself that question. What gift, what experience, what pain will you allow God to use to invest in and develop others? What gift, what experience, what pain will you allow God to use and invest in and develop others? So we invite you, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Because even just taking that step of saying, I want to develop others, is developmental. that's developmental for you as well. So we have to agree to allow God's power to change us so that others can be changed as well. Each and every one of us are equipped in a very unique way for the unique purpose that God has for us. We just have to respond. And let me assure you that Daybreak takes deliberate steps to develop these things in us. You know, one amazing way that we partner with Jesus is developing leaders is something called the Leadership Pipeline. It's a really awesome program that we developed about four years ago to develop our leaders. 
And I went through it, and I can tell you all the awesome things that I was able to glean from it. Um, but there's, but the, the real victory is the fact that we've had over 90 people come through the leadership pipeline. And they go into that not with a mindset of just, I want to be developed, but I want to be developed so that I can invest in my team. Right? I can invest in the, the people that I'm leading. It's such an awesome thing for them to, to walk into that and say, this isn't just for me. I want to turn this around and develop other people. And these, these, uh, they understand that Jesus doesn't just call us to learn for ourselves, but to share that gift with others. At this point, hopefully most of you have, have, have read or at least seen the, the messages from our elder team about our, um, our plan for trans, our transitional plan. That's the word I was looking for, transitional plan. And uh, the fact that we're expanding, we're creating and expanding our, our ministry board. And this is an opportunity for us to mentor and empower and invest in our leaders so that they can be released under God's power to serve others as well. So all this stuff is happening because we have this heart for developing people and seeing leaders within our church community, our church family, develop other people. Bring that. It's like this whole, this whole almost like cycle of us developing people to develop other people. It's so awesome. Again, I'm so appreciative to be part of our church for that. And if we do this, we'll start to emulate a little bit of what Jesus' mindset as he continued his ministry with the disciples. And that is that Jesus didn't stop once he had his initial disciples, right? He didn't stop. We all, we all know there's more than just Andrew and Peter that followed him. So Matthew 4.21, a little further up the shore, he saw two other, bro- two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them, come too. So Jesus this verse points out to the fact that, that even now, Jesus isn't done, right? He's still looking for ordinary people whose hearts are receptive to God's power and ready for us to say, yes, I will follow. He's not done, and neither are we here at Daybreak. We're looking for those people. God calls us to look for those people. And because at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, because of that, at the end of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives us this thing called the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go, make disciples of all na- nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even at the end of the age. These are his last words to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. Don't stop, basically. Keep doing this. Continue to make disciples. Continue to have people follow you, to come after me. Jesus puts us on mission to go and do what he did. That's his call to us. Make disciples, develop people, help people discover and deepen a life-changing journey with Jesus. This is what he's asking us as we come after him, as we follow him. So to wrap things up this morning, I'm guessing that each of us probably fall into one of three camps, right? The camp that says, the first one is the camp that says, you know, I've just never seen myself as being worth developing. I've never really seen that, uh, that um, whatever Jesus sees in me. I've never seen that. I've never seen that I was, I was a value to anybody. I've never seen that he might want to come into my life and develop me. If that's you, I'm glad that you're starting to have that realization. I'd encourage you, continue to, to think about that. Continue to talk to God about that because you are worth everything that Jesus wants to do in you. Right? He wouldn't have died on the cross if each and every one of us wasn't worth that. So he might be calling you to that this morning. The second camp that you might fall in is, man, I just really need developed. 
You know, I, I've been, I'm on fire for God. I want to do something, but I just don't know how that works. I, I feel like I'm teachable, and I just need somebody to step into my life and teach me, guide me, lead me. If that's the case, we have all kinds of people that would love to invest in your life here at Daybreak. Put that on your response card that you want to be invested in, that you want to be developed. Third camp that you might fall in is, man, I've been developed, and I just I want, I want to take that next step. I want to disciple somebody. I want to use that, my gifts. I want to use what God's given me, my experiences. And I want to speak that into somebody else. I want to develop someone else. That's you. Again, pull out your response card. Put that on there. I want to develop somebody. It's the DNA of our church. That's the we are of this morning. We're people developers. So if you fall in one of those three camps, have that realization. Have God speaking to you right now. Don't waste this opportunity to respond to him. This is what God's calling us to, to be developed and to develop other people. He wants to lead you in that. He wants to mold you after his own heart. And he's, so, he's going to be so psyched if you this morning, if you're going to say, Jesus, I want to come after you in that way. Let's pray. Father God, we are people developers. We recognize this morning that that's what you called us to be. We recognize that, that some of us aren't there yet. You know, man, there's, there's some in here this morning that are just, they're just, they're, they're realizing that you want to make an investment in them. So I lift them up to you, God, and I just, I pray that they begin to see themselves as you see them. As your child your child that you died for, that you love them. I pray for those that are ready to be developed, God, that you are beginning to speak into their lives even now, the things that they need to develop, the things that they, they need to mold, you need to mold, so that they can be more in line with, with who you are, God. And I pray for those that are ready to, to disciple somebody else, God. They're ready to say, I want to step out in faith and use my experiences, use the gifts that you've given me, Lord, to speak into somebody, to develop somebody else, to disciple them. Lift them up to you, Lord, and ask a blessing on each one of those three groups of people, Lord, and ask that you would move in a powerful way. Let deep daybreak continue to be a church that is on mission for you and comes after you in a way that develops other people. That's our hearts. That's our we are this morning. We are people developers because that's what you've called us to be. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.